0: Well, great. Thanks so much for being here, ladies and gents. I have, uh, full confession, never done a breakout on this. Um, But I'm passionate about this, and I feel like, uh, as a team at Southlands, we have uh, spent quite a bit of time trying to get our heads and hearts around what it is to have eldership teams made up of uh, staff and non-staff elders. I actually yesterday asked Ryan if he could change the, the the, the title, to Marketplace Elder, um, because non-staff sounds so negative. Uh, I'm just non-staff, and really want to put this in a far more redemptive, pos- positive light. Um, and I think one of the things that that has had us scr- scratching our head is that I come from a church whose philosophy was generally if you come onto eldership, you are going to be on staff. There might be a a time gap but that's going to happen. And we currently now have 12 elders, six of them are non-staff and uh, very few of them are likely to become staff in the near future. And so our new normal is really working with pretty much a 50-50 team of, of men uh, who, who really feel a lifelong call to shepherd the flock of God, uh, but some feel a multiple call um, of, of spinning the important plates of business, uh, family, marriage, and church ministry. All of us are spinning plates, but we acknowledge that, that marketplace guys, together with their wives, have a, have a remarkable call, especially if it's a long-term grace. So that's really what this is about. We don't have it all figured out. I have given you two uh, documents. One uh, I'll speak into first, which is really a study in Priscilla and Aquila, who who I feel are the the, the most compelling biblical model of a a, a marketplace leadership couple. Um, Some scholars are uh, not decided as to whether... Aquila was a, an elder or not, uh, but Paul does, does write to the church that meets in Priscilla and Aquila's house. So it seems like they were church leaders. They were certainly a ministry team. Um, and so we're going to just dip in. This is not going to be new for you, but uh, you know, there's only seven biblical mentions of Priscilla and Aquila. But we, in, in those seven verses, we get actually a beautiful picture of the possibility of this. And I'm going to begin with Paul's affirmation of them. Um, and then going to talk about why their model is important to us. i um, then going to stop for a little bit of a Q&A. A and, and then the remaining time, I, I'm going to try and do that all in 30 minutes. The remaining time, I'm going to have our dear friends, Dan and Marsha. Who, um, uh, Dan was an elder. Uh, he, he was a marketplace elder. And uh, he was a lawyer, very successful lawyer. And uh, Marsha was actually our children's ministry director. Um, we, like many uh, of the churches, most of the churches here, um, have a complementarian view of, of eldership, that, that elders are men. But our, our elders' wives are very invested. Um, they, they are partners not just at home, but but in the church. So every second, uh, every second elders' meetings has um, elders' wives there. I'm not putting that on anyone. I'm just saying, actually, that's part of what we've, uh, try to work out uh, government on the shoulders of a man but actually this one flesh what does that look like and so they were part of our team and uh, and were very much marketplace a real grace on that but then we sent them a year ago to plant into Chiang Rai Thailand and, uh, and really are, are trying to resource them and help them be resourced so they don't have to get other work. Um, that's not necessarily a simple uh, track for them. And so they are exploring other options. But at the moment, they've been facilitated to really give a full-time uh, attention to the planning of this church. So they, they're going to be a couple, having lived in two continents and two contexts, I think they can really help us understand some of that. And then also, dear friends, it's just so great to be able to do ministry with dear friends around the world. You know, we've got our, our kids here with us. Um, And my 17-year-old son, Asher, who's about to go off to to college, he came in the first night at dinner and uh, he walked in and I just watched him do the rounds around the table and he just chatted to all these people who have stayed in our home uh, from different countries and different continents. And uh, it's a remarkable thing to have this rich, rich relational world. And uh, uh, Mike and Edwina are one of those, kind of mom and pop in, in our kids' lives. Uh, We've gone to them and they've come to us often. And uh, Mike led City Gates Church for 10 years, all the while having a successful business. Uh, And then two, is it two or three years? Two years ago, handed over leadership, has remained on eldership, but rarely thrown himself back into business that they run the business together. So as well, they've straddled both worlds. I think during those 10 years, you were partly paid by the church, but rarely having two jobs. So, so just fantastic to have this richness of uh, wisdom and uh, experience with us. Okay, so that's the roadmap for the time. Let's pray and we're going to get going. Father, thank you so much for this, uh, this call. You, you have given us all a, a call that is beyond our human ability to respond to. Um, we, we confess that all of us live marginally out of control because you have called us to something so great. And uh, Father, as we explore together, I pray that your Spirit would give us wisdom, illumination, uh, encouragement, that we would run the, r- the, mark, the, the race marked out for us with great courage and great perseverance. Uh, for your glory and the good of your church. Amen. Okay. So let's start with... Uh, this quick study on Priscilla and Aquila and before I I do that I just want to dip into uh, Tim Keller's book um, Every Good Endeavor where he talks about the importance of recovering vacation Um, and and, and that has been so helpful for us and many of our marketplace elders as they have uh, realized afresh that a business call is not a second grade call to not be employed by your, uh, your local church is not like, well, you haven't managed to cut it. But that some men, together with their wives, just have an extraordinary grace to straddle different, uh, different worlds. And that is really good for the gospel. Uh, we have a really, uh, really great friendship with a couple who planted a church in uh, Qatar. And, um, and he was the harbor master of Qatar, Dave Wallens was. And, you know, at that time, there was no way for a pastor to get into Qatar. But because he was the harbour master, he had great, great favor on his life. And they just started gathering some people in their lounge. And then they outgrew the lounge and had to go to, uh, you know, the living room in the backyard. And then they had to rent a little community center, etc. And today they've handed over that church living uh, in Turkey. But uh, that church is over a thousand people. Uh, has seen hundreds and hundreds of people saved, have multiple languages, many Muslims come to faith because of a harbor master. Yeah. And uh, increasingly, as we see an antagonism to the gospel, we, we know that marketplace elders are like the Trojan horses of our day. They can get places where we staff elders can't. Yeah. Um, and so, Uh, Keller really uh, is so helpful in his book, Every Good Endeavor, where he talks about a recovery of of vocation, of calling. And he says, uh, Robert Beller's landmark book, Habits of the Heart, helped many people name the thing that was and still is eating away at the cohesiveness of our culture. He called it expressive individualism. Bella argued that Americans had created a culture that elevated individual choice and expression to such a level that there was no longer any shared life, no commanding truths or values that tied us together. As Bella wrote, we are moving to an even greater validation of the sacredness of the individual person, but our capacity to imagine a social fabric that would hold individuals together is vanishing. The sacredness of the individual is not balanced by any sense of the whole or concern for the common good. But near the end of habits, the author proposes one measure that would go a long way toward re weaving the unraveling culture. To make a real difference, there would have to be a reappropriation of the idea of vocation or calling, a return in a way to the idea of work as a contribution to the good of all and not merely as a means to one's advancement. That is a remarkable statement. If Bella is right, one of the hopes of our unraveling society is the recovery of the idea that all human work is not merely a job, but a calling. All human work is not merely a job, but a calling. I, I, I grew up uh, with an understanding of vocation as perhaps extending from uh, church ministry. Also, my, my, my mother was a social worker. So that was vocation. You got really paid, uh, badly paid for it, but it was calling, you know, and maybe nurses, maybe teachers. But anyone really making good money, that couldn't have been calling because that was just selfish, right? And uh, Keller really takes, takes on that idea and says, no, all of work, even if there is a profit motive, should be calling for the Christian. The Latin word vocare, to call, is at the root of our common word vocation. Today the word often means simply a job, but that was not the original sense. A job is a vocation only if someone else calls you to do it, and you do it for them rather than for yourself. And so our work can be a calling, o- only if it is reimagined as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. So this understanding of, of work as, as calling obviously takes us on to Priscilla and Aquila, the, the tent-making mom and pop of the early uh, church. And a little bit of a history. Many of you know of them, but it's, it's just a fun little study. And by the way, I've taken the study, and um, from time to time, I've brought in probably at a time uh, 10 business couples in, uh, in the life of our church. And just over four months have taken them through what it is to be Priscilla's and Aquila's whether they have an eldership call or not just marketplace couples feeling a sense of calling you guys were part of that weren't you and it's uh, been amazing to see uh, the stirring in business folks uh, hearts as they realize that this is not a second grade thing and they're not just walking ATM machines that we are waiting for them to pay their tithes but actually what they're doing out there is vital Um, and so Priscilla and Aquila uh, fled Rome during the Jewish Persecution under Claudius, AD 49-50, settled in Corinth and there they hosted Paul who was also a tent maker by trade and it was on his first visit uh, to the town. Remember it was just after his Mars Hill Athens uh, time in Acts 17 and his ministry was actually at a bit of a low ebb. Uh, It seems like he had uh, some discouragement, some lack of funding, etc. And and it seems like he just met them at the right time. And uh, in, in his Pauline affirmation of them, I, I, I love this. We'll just jump down to Romans 16. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks. What an affirmation. They risked their own life, their own necks for my life. If you can imagine, they are uh, fleeing. They, they, they are they're flee- f- fleeing religious persecution. And uh, and if you flee religious persecution, it means you've probably lost everything, lost your business, you're trying to start again, trying to just fly beneath the radar. The last thing you want to do as a Christian is open up your home and your business to public enemy number one, Paul. And And yet there was something in this couple that was uh, just self-sacrificial, they, they, they weren't self-protecting, and they opened up not only their home, but their business to him, and they worked together. And then it's uh, they accompanied Paul to Ephesus, Acts 18, uh, where they, they instructed the eloquent and brilliant Alexandrian preacher, Apollos. We'll see that now. They, they, they brought Apollos into their home. And, uh, and so clearly they weren't just good business folk. Uh, They were hospitable, and they also uh, were spiritually mature. Um, And in fact, Apollos left them looking after this church in in Corinth. They were a mother and father kind of couple, and we know as well, there was a church that met in their home, whether that was the church in Corinth or not. Um, And so Acts 18, 26 says, When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, Apollos was a... he studied in, uh, in Egypt. He was eloquent. The Bible says that he was mighty in the Scriptures, zealous in spirit, accurately teaching about Jesus. And so he was a ministry gun. And they took him into their home and taught him the way of God more adequately. And so we see this Pauline affirmation of Priscilla and Aquila. They risked their own necks for my life. They were co-workers. In other words, they traveled with him. Uh, there's, there's no sense that in Scripture uh, Aquila was an apostle. But certainly they were, they were spiritually mature. And they were part of his traveling apostolic ministry team. Uh, trusted enough for him to leave them in Corinth and go on. Which is, which is vital. And then he says, To whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. This was a couple who were famous amongst all the churches in the Gentiles. Why? Uh, I think because they risked their own lives for Paul, but, but, but it seems like they were a model of a couple that had it all together. They managed to spin the plates of a good family and marriage, a good business, a business that could cope with bringing people in, uh, seemingly profitable enough for them to travel, and uh, not have to be making tents all the time. And then also they were these spiritually mature people. So, seven mentions, and then we'll start to get a little practical. Acts 182 2-3. There he, Paul, met a Jew named Aquila, native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Acts 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Acts 18:19. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. Acts 18:26. He, Apollos, began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Uh, the Pauline affirmation we see there. Romans 16: Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the church that meets in their house. And then 2 Timothy 4, greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. So what's, what's the importance of their model and, and mission to us? What can we glean from these uh, seven, seven mentions? I've, I've suggested five areas. One, that, that it, it does challenge the traditional missionary model through an example, not only of needing to raise support, but of going to provide support for others who are called to ministry as vocation. I certainly uh, have huge respect for so many missionaries. We partner with some uh, missionary organizations. We have a great respect for, for a number of them. But Priscilla and Aquila really do challenge that model uh, of, of being sent by your, your local church or many local churches absolutely reliant on them and having to go back for furloughs to report and show exciting slideshows, etc. They were self-supporting, and not only self-supporting, they went to churches and and actually brought financial support. They they found a Paul who, who who was seemingly struggling a little and said, "No, actually, our business is prosperous enough to be able to support you," and that's that's huge. Secondly, he breaks down the sacred secular divide by showing that marriage business hospitality, mentoring, and teaching are all ministry. So they weren't suddenly marketplace ministers when they brought Apollos in and taught him the way of God more adequately. They were marketplace ministers as they brought Paul in and said, hey, come let's make some tents together. Three, it fulfills the Jeremiah 29 mandate to seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've ex- I exiled you. Um, and we know that that especially in cultures that are, are hostile to the gospel, uh, cultures that, that are cynical about the church, where folk go in and they are seeking the peace and prosperity of that city in felt ways. Um, opening businesses, opening coffee shops, restaurants, etc. Uh, nurses, doctors, all these city building um, ways of work. Actually, it's a way of demonstrating the gospel in felt ways. And then, of course, the missionary visa conundrum uh, business folk can get where missionaries can't. Causes the church to become self-sufficient rather than codependent on outside support. And it exhibits great financial sacrificial generosity rather than self-preservation. Let me jump to, to our, our home context. This is not in the notes here just talk uh, about how we've tried to, to work out a, a philosophy of marketplace ministry where there may be some folk that come on uh, to eldership with a real desire. We, we have six elders now who are marketplace, and of those six... only one as far as I can tell has a real desire to be on staff so we have uh, we have a a CrossFit gym owner Um, we have a retired army general who uh, he retired early he's still in his 30s um, but he works for Boeing Um, we have a teacher who is studying now to become a principal doing his masters Help me out, yeah. <laughs> Going blank. Um, yeah, we, we have a we have a fire alarm salesman, and uh, we have one more. Help me. Oh uh, yeah, we have a, we have a, we have an author, uh, a writer, and he's also a speechwriter for a president. Um, yeah, for a president of a, of a of a college. That's right. That's right. Who else? Huh? Oh yeah. And then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he might be out of a job soon yeah um, and then we have a we have a guy who's a, who's a director in a, in a large university as far as I can tell one maybe two have a real desire to be on staff um, the rest feel a, a long-term grace for this um, and I, I, I think for me firstly it's it's just to be empathetic with that calling because it's a complicated calling um, and uh, a number of the guys have young families. Um, most have kids under the age of five. Some are, are newly married. And where our culture is saying, you know, establish your family, establish your kids first, and then get to uh, calling all, establish your career first. Uh, a number of these men have come and said, we know, and we're fine with it, but we know that our earning potential is less because of our eldership call. I remember speaking to Daniel about that who, who, st- who started a, a law practice while he was an elder. And he, he, he just said, you know, the guys who are really making it uh, never see their families, uh, are working 14, 15, 16 hour days, etc. And he just said, I, I know that, that I can't keep up with them, but I'm just not going to try. I'm tr- going to trust God to prosper my business. I'm going to do what I do well, but actually I've got a, I've got a multiple call. So I think just developing a language of appreciation, uh, firstly, and then empathy for that, uh, has been a key. Three principles that we've tried to live out uh, as we've looked at a new normal of long-term having marketplace elders with us. Firstly, one of inclusion. Just three. Inclusion, specialization, and sustainability. Um, Is it up on here? Here we go. Most of our churches have an understanding of an elder having three main roles from, from the 1 Peter 5, three Greek, Greek words of presbyteros, which is guarding and, uh, and governing, uh, poimen, which is, which is shepherding, um, and then episkopos, which is kind of visioneering, leading with, with oversight and vision. Um, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, be shepherds of God's flock. So as an elder, a governor, be shepherds, take care, minister, preach, teach. Uh, and then serving as overseers. That's, that's episcopos. Most of us understand that. And yet many of us would know churches or come from churches where marketplace elders would be presbyteros. They would be governors. And so they would be in boardrooms talking about bucks and butts on seats, if I can use the term. You know, talking about the, the buildings, the bucks, and, 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 and just how to make good strategic decisions. And, and, and our biblical persuaded conviction is that marketplace elders are not just presbyteros governors, that they are shepherds. Um, And in fact, that their shepherding carries a a unique gift and it's this, that people in the seats know that they can empathize with what it is to go to work. Whether we like it or not, (laughs) our congregation think, many of our congregation know that we work hard, those of us who are employed by churches, but they, they think we live in a parallel universe and, and, and are just a little bit out of touch with the realities of, of being around unsaved, unsanctified people all the time. And, and I've seen, especially when a marketplace elder will get up to preach, uh, which is not as often as staff elders, just because they don't have as much time, but there's this outpouring of grace towards them because they're like, you're one of us. You know, you get us. You understand. And, you know, we, we, we actually recently did um, a series called God at Work on the, on the godly call to work. And, and I peppered it heavily with Marketplace elders. And, I mean, I think when the staff elders preached, they preached well. But, man, when the Marketplace elders preached, they were received so much better because it's like you're one of us. And, and, and so this, this call to be a shepherd and to be a visioneer is something that we want to include our marketplace elders in. Um, and that means that we've had to develop a, a rhythm of meetings that is empathetic of their time. Uh, we have, as a church, quite a high level uh, of, of meetings. We, we meet every Tuesday as, as elders. And then once a month, we will meet on a Saturday morning early to pray, um, which is more than many, but part of our, our apprenticeship of elders which is a two year track is is helping them to count the cost of a job and being able to give themselves to that but in the setting of that time i've rarely tried uh, to hear them in terms of where in the in the in the week and what time of day etc they can cope with um, and 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 certainly in terms of uh, inclusivity i am putting a lot of staff elder decisions on hold to make sure that the marketplace elders are are, are part of the decision-making mechanism. And that's hard in a growing church. It really is hard. But we work really hard at inclusivity. So all of our marketplace elders preach from time to time. Sometimes it would be teaching in smaller groups. Uh, All of them oversee some sort of ministry. Either it would be, uh, well, all of them coach deacons. Um, Some of them would lead life groups. Some of them would lead Ministries And so they're not just governors, they are shepherds. Very often, our marketplace uh, elders are more strategic than our staff elders. Not only, but very often they are. So including them in, in the Episcopal uh, call and especially implementation of that vision has been a real gift. So that's the first value, inclusion. Secondly would be specialization. So, so this is the counterbalance to uh, inclusion that uh, because time is at a premium for them, uh, we, wouldn't, we would try and keep them out of unnecessary meetings. Um, and, and so most of our guys would have some area of focused specialization and would have a lower pastoral load, certainly a lower preaching load. Um, and so we're trying to guard them by saying, "Man, what 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 can you uniquely bring to the church?" So, for instance, Joel, who is a marketplace guy, actually oversees our life groups and we have or home groups, community groups, and uh, and that is primarily an, an administrative job, and he's just really good at it, um, and and he he gathers them probably once a quarter just to coach. So. So I'm having him more coaching than actually leading a life group because that's playing uh, to his strength. Matt leads our deacons. Now you might say, surely the guy on staff should lead your deacons. Well, actually no, because Matt is, he was an army general. He's just so good with, uh, with, with servants and volunteers. He's able to call people and he's able to give very specific details. And I just love sitting there as he leads our team of a hundred deacons or whatever, he's just like, he is in his element. So specialization is key. And then third, and and, and this is the the biggie uh, before we start to Q&A and and, and interview, is long-term sustainability has really been our our, our area of study. And uh, so the second little document that I've sent you is is called Marketplace Elders Furlough. and um, before I get there, I, I, I have found, so I've, I've, I've served as, a, as an elder for 21 years, and I've felt gen- found generally that marketplace elders have about a five-year shelf life, generally. I'd love to hear if, if you have found something different. But part of my challenge has been saying, why is that the case? What's... What happens where after four, five, six years, people just say, "This is great, I know that I have a a, a call to do this I think it's a lifelong call, but right now, tap out you know i I, I just need some space and often they they 'll never come back I think it's partly uh that that we haven't been empathetic in terms of the 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 the, the multiple pressure of spinning plates um, partly as well we haven't facilitated a, a sustainable life financially um, so so one of the things we started to do a few years ago was to say man if if staff elders have an allowance um, that's that has to do with gas and and phone and, and entertainment why are we not helping our, our marketplace guys do that I'm not putting that on you I'm saying this is our journey so we started to to give them an allowance that even though they're not getting paid at some sort of stipend just to say we know this is costing you hugely especially in the area of hospitality and we just want to get behind that we we will also from time to time send a marketplace couple away we will pay for them for a weekend if they can't uh, afford to do that just to get away Uh, We have, from time to time, where they've really taken strain, paid for them to go for counseling, particularly marriage counseling. Just saying, we want to put some dollars behind that, even though you're not on our uh, salary book. And that's been helpful. But the biggest thing for us, and I'm nervous to teach it because we're just in it now, is that that we've started a a year-long furlough for Marketplace elders. And by furlough... I, I mean a a leave of duty without stopping be, being an elder. So we have two of our twelve elders on that currently. And uh, I'm not going to go through this this document, but but essentially it's a it's an attempt one uh, to help them reinvest in marriage, family, and business. Um, I think especially with someone's career, if they don't have. A gap. If, if if they're saying I'm long-term career, and if they don't have a gap of about a year every five years to really just say, "Man, I'm not going to spin this plate. I'm going to I'm going to reinvest in this thing," generally their career starts to fall back. And so and so, it's giving them time to do that while still being uh, still being included in the relational world of eldership, uh, in the hosting world. They'll still host some prayer meetings, etc., host meetings. Um, and, and, but not be included in any of the mechanical, governmental, or pastoral stuff. We will continue with their stipend, continue sending them to counseling, etc., sending them away on vacation. It's just saying, man, you guys have worked hard. We want to reinvest, allow this field to lie fallow for a while, and trust that in a year's time you can come back fresh into the race. So long-term sustainability has been a real key. We'll tell you after a year how it went. <laughs> um, and certainly, again, I'm not prescribing this, but this has been one of the ways that we've looked at those values. All right, let's stop and uh, hear from you. Any questions, comments, best practices from you? Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, you mentioned a couple areas that you are involved in. in yeah. The yeah. Uh, mm hmm. Um, Ryan uh, oversees Alpha. So um, that's our uh, eight-week exploration into the Christian faith. So he, he oversees that. Uh, prayer teams, he also oversees prayer teams. Um, yeah, Brett, uh, Brett is really involved in, in integration, which is new members into the life of the church. Um, some of them lead life groups. Generally, their life groups grow really big so that's a that's a that's a challenge, but all of them are involved in coaching deacons, so our deacons are broken up into twelve coaching groups, and uh, all of them do do that. Um, one is a worship leader, and so he'd he'd lead a a worship team. so those are some of the areas of specialization. Yes um, Alan, you said you've got a kind of yeah Any just on, you think, yeah. It's a great question. I I used to think about a year ago that the way of the future is minority staff, majority marketplace. Um, I don't know if I think that now. I think probably, and again, this is this is all feel. Um, probably more than fifty percent uh, is really difficult right now. I I would like a few more staff, um, but um, I mean certainly we have been hugely helped by by a large complement of of marketplace guys yeah yeah yes bo yes yeah mhm yeah 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 you know our organizational flowchart has got more and more complicated um, as as we've multiplied and, um, I mean, we, we're not huge, but we have, we have four uh, congregations. And so now we do have a, a, what we call a central team um, of, of five elders amongst the 12 who are handling uh, the primary financial and organizational matters. And uh, one of our philosophies is that we will always have a marketplace elder on that. Um, and I know that's costly to them because it's an extra meeting a month and there's a lot of back work for that as well but I don't like the idea of of staff guys handling that without a a sort of an external eye on so we 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 have one marketplace elder on that Uh, beyond that we have a financial council team that the central team meets with once a quarter and those are made up of uh, non-elder men and women in business. So that's, a, that's just another way to, to dignify the marketplace call of saying, we, we know as elders we, we've got to stand and give an account, but we want to hear from you. It's kind of a Jethro sort of team. Um, so that's, that's the way that works. And then obviously we have within the broad eldership team, we have a, what I call a community pastors team, which is the four leaders of the different uh, congregations. And I meet with them quite a bit. And then I have an executive pastor who, is, who leads the staff. And so that frees me up to not be involved in the staff uh, too much. And then our guys who, who, who are on staff as elders, they are either community pastors, uh, and they're, then there are a few more like Kirk, who, who, who has a multiple role of working with the city, working with finance, working with mercy and justice, etc. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I'll get you... Yeah. yes non-staff. for non staff or staff non staff um, we do for staff elders um we we have we have a review every year and um we have an assessment before someone becomes an elder that's that's very very thorough uh i d- i don't think we have a f- as far as i can tell i don't think we have a formal uh assessment for non staff elders yeah i would say no we pro- why do you ask and we probably do need to <laughs> yeah reality that all need feedback yes yeah 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 so, I, I would say that that's, that's happening informally quite a bit. Um, so, Ronell and I will get, often actually during the summer, we will get with each of our couples. And just because ministry is at a little bit more of a low ebb, we'll get with each and just say, How are you doing? This is what we're seeing. You know, check, a, a check in. But it's, it's more an informal touch point than a, than a formal review. And, and I think that's, that's probably a, a fair point, that to not have a boss and not have a, f- have a sense of this is how I could be doing better um, is, a, is a potential weakness. You're right. Yeah. Chad.
1: Yeah, I just wondered, you said inclusion. So yeah. you, you try not to overwork their schedules. and yeah. the things. So which things do you consider, hey, these are essential for everyone to weigh in on? Um, and just
0: what, you know, and these are the things. That yeah. Um, you know, the staff. Yeah. It's you know. a great question. Um, well, well, for a start, we, we really are trying to pass out uh, pastoral stuff to the community elders. So, what happens with, with sheep at Brea, which is one of our, our communities, the elders at Whittier should not be involved in that. So, so we, we pass that out. That's the first thing. Um, I think... So, so we we reached a sort of a philosophical uh, a, a turning point where we where we made a, a call that all of the elders at this stage would be over the whole church. Um, many people at, at, at our stage would be saying, "No, uh, you are you are an elder in your community, and you're not over the whole church." So while we we will have a central team, uh, all of the elders are over the the whole church. So the central team will will report back especially larger macro funding stuff um, purchase or sale of of buildings the uh, installation of a new elder um, and um, and any new staff unless it's it's part-time staff so all of those things all elders would be included in it but there would be teams within teams doing a lot of the legwork and then they would just be presented with the scenario uh with that. So pastoral stuff though, um it's on a need to know basis. Okay. Yeah. Yes. In uh, uh maybe a church plant context or or any yeah. kind of maybe one to three hundred sort mm-hmm. of yeah. church um,
2: season where you're looking to employ
0: yeah. second, third members yeah. mm-hmm. Um do you have any advice or thoughts I guess mm. Yes. And there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. of practical, pragmatic pressure Yes. not waiting to employ another elder. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, I think we tended to employ elders too quickly. Um and uh so now we will employ non elder staff uh way before, long before. So I, I, I would say generally, it's not a rule, but we would say probably, besides the lead pastor of the congregation, about three admin staff, they don't have to be full-time all, before you employ your next full-time elder. Whereas we used to, man, it was lead and an assistant, you know, two elders, and it's just really, really top-heavy. And obviously that's great, for the lead elder, because he's now got his buddy uh, with him, but actually it's not necessarily good for, for the church. So yeah, we would have flipped it. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 So particularly the wives of marketplace uh, elders. Let me ha- uh, ask my wife just to speak to that. She's looking daggers right now. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: you
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, you I mean to to be quite honest, one of the one of the furlough situations was essentially saying, look, this is not working. I can see this is not working. So let's take a furlough. After nine months, we will see if Grace has come back. Um, and if it hasn't, we'll we'll just say, man, that was a really good run. <laughs> um, but but this is an opportunity to see whether whether Grace is still there, you know? Um and, and so what we do during that furlough is every three months we will have a structured check-in with that with that couple, um, and uh, so so far so good. But but yeah, I do I do think there needs to be uh, an ability for the leader of the team to, to say, look, I so appreciate what's going on, but it seems like the grace is not there. What what what's happening, um, and and is this going to return with the long rest? or or actually is just a season up. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. Rig, you were going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yes just yeah as much as we are,
0: the yeah other yes other yeah um, yeah is yes yeah yeah, yeah. we've we've got a six to twelve month uh lens on it, um, so one of the couples, after three months, he said, "I think I'm gonna be ready in six months' time, and we we're like, fantastic, the other." Uh, guy said, I think I'm going to need my whole 12 months. <laughs> so so what, what we've said is we will check in after six months and, and, and have a sense of whether you're going to come back around then or 9 or 12. If after 12, it's still not, the grace is still not there, we'll say, man, there's, there's something deeper uh, at, at, at stake. But during that time, we are paying for them to uh, go for some spiritual coaching. Um, to make sure that, because very often it's not just an issue of exhaustion. There's some frustration. Uh, there's some tension uh, relationally, uh, even in terms of marriage, etc. And so, w- so we really want people to, uh, to study their souls during that time and uh, not just say, well, I've got a year, I'm going to start this hobby and send my kid to, you know, t-ball or whatever. Actually, no, this is a time for you to, to, to press in in these ways. Yeah. Is that we understand that
3: Jesus gives gifts to the yeah. elders to the church. Yeah. But the church is the recipient of those gifts. Yeah.
1: And uh you've got a number of
3: marketplaces. Yeah. You yeah. So it's going to be difficult
4: to get all your elders in the room together at any one time. Yes. Yeah. Somewhere along the cycle, someone's away. And yes. You're at a
0: time. Yeah. It's difficult. And it you know, is. I wish the church once. Yeah. Yes, to the congregation. yes, yes, yeah, Yes. yeah, sure, no, it's, it's, it's good, and you know, one of the things that we've seen in, in furlough is that we have said to the congregation, this elder and his wife will remain in this congregation, they're not going to now go down the road to one of our other campuses, etc., they can visit from time to time, but as they have refreshed your hearts, please will you refresh theirs. And, and it's been an amazing thing to see, like, don't ask for counseling, don't, you know, bring your ma- marital stuff, just go and refresh their hearts. And it's actually been an amazing thing to see uh, the church giving back. So, yes, JD, one more, and then, and then we'll have the panel and we can carry on doing Q&A. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 okay. I'm going to, b- it's boring because it's complicated, <laughs> you know. But so we, we've got a complex, I think it's beautiful, but it's complex uh, uh, philosophy of, of apprenticing elders. So at any one time, we've got maybe another 12 apprentice elders that are, are coming through in the different communities. And so our four Tuesdays always are a different team. So the first Tuesday of the month is just the elders. Uh, The second Tuesday of the month is elders and uh, elder apprentices separate in their communities. So there's only one a month of all the elders together over the whole church. Second is elders in separate communities with apprentices. Third um, would be elders and wives Separately in their communi- communities, right, and that generally would not be governmental stuff. It would m- be more touch points: how you guys doing? Any pastoral issues, etc. Um, and 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 high relational quotient. The first Tuesday very governmental, a lot of stuff to get through, decisions, etc. Second would be a mix of training because we've got our our apprentices and walking them through some of the decisions that are less. Um, confidential just for them to get a feel for it. Third, elders and wives, more relational. How's your marriage doing? Any pastoral issues? A lot of prayer. Fourth, every staff elder, every apprentice and wife together for mainly training. So that would be about 40 together. So those are the four forums. Fifth Tuesday is, we call it the fun gun. We, we pull the fun gun. We've got to have fun together. So every fifth Tuesday of the month. And then once a month is central team, which is budgets and all, all that sort of stuff. Uh, once a month is elders, men, and E+, up on a hill, Saturday morning, praying for the church. Every Tuesday morning as well is staff elders prayer. That's actually the only meeting staff elders have, apart from non staff elders, is prayer. Is that, is that um, once a month prayer time? Is that different than your all men Yeah. Time? Yeah. So twice, yeah. A month together on a yeah. That's not prescriptive. I mean, I don't want to share that, but I'm just saying you you asked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get the couples up. Give it up for them. Dan and Marsha lead One Light Church, Chiang Rai, Thailand. Uh, Dan leads the church and they run a charity as well. Dan's a lawyer. Um, Marsha serves in the school there. So, so you guys, even though at the moment you are primarily resourced, um, you, you are busy in many ways and you served as a marketplace elder with us. Uh Mike and Edwina grandparents enjoying uh your 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 grandkids but but freshly invested in in your business and it seems like it's flying and now you're serving a new man. Uh and I checked in with him last night just because I knew that you were speaking and just saying man how things are going and he just said you guys are flying. They've just actually done an eight-week eight marriage course that they, that they taught. And you had 40 couple, 40 people, 20, 20 couples? 18 couples. 18 couples, amazing. So this is remarkable. You very seldom see a guy be able to hand over and stay in the church. Uh, this is a very, very gracious story. So I, I, I suppose I, I would first want to ask uh, both of you, what are, we, we know there, there are pressures. We know uh, this is a big Ask, but what have been some of the joys of being marketplace elders? (laughs) Don't hang back.
1: Um, you know, I think I have a, a shepherding kind of pastoring gift, but I also have a very analytical mind, and i of using that. Um, so for me, there was an enjoyment aspect of being in the market. that was a sense of purpose that I got from mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, on the other side of it, you know, in addition to the privileges of being able to shepherd the people of God and, and being a leader in the church, um, you know, the uh, camaraderie was was amazing. I think uh, for me personally. I Of cultivating a culture of of, of equals, and he always says, "I'm the first among equals." And uh, we were in uh, these elders' meetings. We would just do ministry uh, together. We're in the foxhole together, and and we we were my real brothers, like some of my best friends. uh, Mm. And there is this relational component to it Mm. um, that was just really enjoyable.
3: Mm. It's great.
2: There was a time when we part of a church that was dying and we were in the marketplace and the uh believe guy had an opportunity to move elsewhere. This is before we were in this model of ministry and he asked us if we would take over and we after a while agreed to do that. And so there was a period where I felt that we would sell the business and go full time in ministry. And we just didn't get any traction with that. We weren't mm-hmm. able to sell the business. <coughs> and in hindsight, thank God I didn't sell the business. Because mm-hmm. actually I realized uh, for myself, I thrive in the marketplace. I, I'd be a terrible full-time guy without mm. being in the marketplace. Mm. I'd be terrible. Mm. And, uh, and so I just realized that after the fact. So for me, the interaction, as you said, Danny, with um, with outsiders, the opportunity to live the gospel out on a daily basis with people I work with or work and interact mm-hmm. with, Everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows what I'm all about. It's not a mystery. Mm. Uh, I love it. I love that interaction. And, and I just feel, that in my case, just mm. speaking for myself, mm. um, kind of a, a full-time ministry portfolio uh, was not is not what I thrive in. Mm. So, um, I, I, so for, for for ten years, I thrived in the dual, and now I'm back in. A, in a, I wasn't. I'm not leading now. I'm, I'm assisting, but uh, love the marketplace. Mm. Love ministry. Mm.
0: Uh, so, mm. in that case it's mm. so, to the wives, uh, whether you call it spinning plates or juggling or whatever it is, it's a it's a complicated thing. Uh, when your husband has a business, he gets home, gulps down dinner, and rushes off to a meeting, and uh, you're longing for him to take the kids away and uh, you know just be fully present, etc and yet um, both of you as wives have just generally been full of joy and, and really a sense of o- ownership and partnership in this. Just speak to, to marketplace folk in this room uh, in terms of some of, the, some of the things you did to establish healthy rhythms within a life that was marginally out of control. And what did you do when it was getting really bad? Where, when it's like, man, we've lost rhythm. How did you restore rhythm?
5: yeah I'm going to be honest. Mm. um, I'm uh, getting (laughs) nervous. (laughs) 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 I found it difficult at at the beginning. That's right (laughs) up (laughs) to (laughs) last week. work in the business yeah. and Mike is an elder in the church mm. and I've always been very much involved with the mm. church. Mm. So it is like working pre mm. full time jobs for me. Mm. You know mm. uh, I loved being a mum mm. but I found that the Me a long time and mm. really I um, I can honestly say I began to understand mm. that it's not a job or a function, mm. but it's really a service mm. and an answer to a call. Mm. And but it took me a long time and, and I think I actually had a breakthrough mm. when I began to understand the gospel. Mm. You know, mm. so because the gospel was never presented mm. or explained mm. for what it truly is, mm. and it's only when I began to understand the gospel mm. that this came alive to me, and I began to see mm. that I'm in a place to do, to to be as Christ is to us,
3: mm.
5: and so when you understand that, mm. your mm. role takes mm. on quite a beauty, and as mm. Mike often says, not. Mm. Mm. But a beauty. Beautiful. And mm. that's what I found. Mm. So now I'm in a peaceful place, mm. you know, mm. and I'm loving it. Mm. Mm. I'm beginning to see how I can be, mm. how I can use my time in the best and most effective and useful way and how I can use my gifts that way that's as good. against
0: doing it out of the sense Good, good. These guys said that I never actually ask the questions I said I'd ask to them so I, I, I'm going to just stay true to that <laughs> but w- Dan uh, and, and Mike what, what would you say to a lead elder in this room with a mix of staff and marketplace elders how could he lead uh, with wisdom uh, with inclusivity with empathy what are some of the ways that, that have been helpful to you as you've been on a team as marketplace, and what are some of the unhelpful things?
1: Yeah, um, so I would say that uh, there were times when I failed to see, like with, He, he was able to kind of manage this tension of, look, we know that you're out in the marketplace, and it's difficult, but sometimes, I mean, this is not what this parable is for, but if you, if you think about the, the parable of the unworthy servant, that are plowing out in the field, and they come in and they wait on their master. Um, there, there were times when it kind so helping us to remember, um, just through his own work ethic, but also just
2: calling it out when necessary, because you know, a privilege that we get to. Mm. Mm. to, get to mm. 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 Um, I think, for me, when I, when I think about how I led, and then, then stepping off a team, stepping off a leadership role, then stepping onto a team, um, I'm not sure I was always empathetic towards, I mean, I was in the marketplace, but it's really different when you're leading when you're just part of the team. It's such a Mm -hmm. different animal, Mm. We think it's in our head different, but it's Mm. honestly incredibly different. Mm. And um, and so when we stepped off, we were part of the team, but not leading the team. um, And I look back at how I led the team, even though I was in the marketplace, I would say I I was quite a driven guy, and and I'd be the guy who'd be sending emails at four in the morning, and, Mm. you know, I'm wondering why these guys have not done what they have to do and all mm. that kind of stuff. Mm. Then, having stepped off, um, I'm seeing, you know, you, you just I have just seen it from a different mm. perspective. Mm. My, maybe my leadership style. I think Vic mm. is, has led uh, in a way that I've learned from Vic's leadership, I think, of watching someone who really trusts the sovereignty of God mm. <laughs> Um really trust the sovereignty of God in small things, mm. that. whereas I would be kind of micromanaging emails, making sure, you know, mm. sending, sending emails to people, oh, we really missed you today, <laughs> hope everything's okay, i.e., where the hell were you? <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, would I where I'd be that guy who would be mm. kind of micromanaging, mm. and, and, and Vic would be more, I think it's kind of generally more trusting mm. and,
0: God's really in control of this thing so it's been really good for me to step Mm. back and Mm. realize I was
2: probably too intense Mm. uh, when I led Mm. and maybe put demands on marketplace guys that were not necessarily fair Mm. Um, because I put them on myself so I figured if I put it on myself then I can put it on you Mm. and I wasn't and that didn't necessarily reflect on that Mm. like place some of our guys had young kids Mm. you know we could older kids and so I think if I'm kind of looking at it right now, I would say the key mm. is a lot of communication, which mm. it seems like you guys have done really well. Mm. But a lot of communication between the lead guy and the marketplace mm. guys and life positions mm. and so circom- you know, like it's really case by case in mm. some ways as mm. far as expectations mm. based on life circumstances, much of mm.
0: other things. So it's good. For me that was That's a bit very good. An One last question for for all of you. Anyone can answer. And that is how do you keep your devotional life alive uh, when so often it's the tyranny of preparing for the next life group or sermon and then running off to work, etc. How have you guys managed and ladies managed to keep those devotional wells dug in the busyness of life?
2: The pressure of leadership came off Edwina and I. Primary leadership. Uh, this is the expression I used. I say that Edwina's thrived, and I've survived hmm. because I, you know, the w- my personality type is is that I'm, I I do best under deadlines, high adrenaline, hmm. you know, last minute. I thrive on that stuff. And so when the when the demand was taken off me preaching every week, preparing for multiple meetings, when that was taking off me. Now I have to, as we talked about, moving from, from duty to beauty, mm. and that's been a challenge. I, I'm doing better, but I honestly say that's been probably my biggest challenge, is, is keeping that fresh when I have no obvious weekly demand on a gift, mm-hmm. you know, like on a preaching gift, or mm-hmm. a study gift, or whatever the case may be. So just doing it because because I love it. Mm. You know, That's mm-hmm. been a challenge. I've i've really felt like uh, in that way i've i can really relate to the the average christian who Mm. does not necessarily have the type of ministry outlets that we have when we're leading um but still has to maintain a healthy relationship with jesus Mm. um i think i've really empathized more Mm. since i haven't haven't led a team
0: Mm. anyone else (laughs)
3: No.
1: Uh, it's it a place of just desperate need mm. and it's just like clockwork where you're mm. doing it every mm. single day. Like mm. that. Um, I, I I do have the advantage now of saying, look, I've got this three-hour block on Tuesdays, mm. I have a three-hour block on Thursdays, and I can spend like, mm. you know, two hours just mm. praying and worshiping, mm. which is good in its own way. Uh, mm. But you know, in some ways, I do miss the five a.m. desperation devotion. <laughs> mm.
3: <laughs> it's good. Yeah. yeah.
5: Very hard to find that pocket time, uh, but as Mike said, with the change in season now, I've actually a
2: So
0: (laughs) good. That's what we heard. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, Our time is up, Um, but I I think there are probably a few more questions that you want to ask the panel. So, so, and we've got free time. If you need to go now, feel free with no guilt attached to that uh if you if that's right that's right (laughs) i will trust the sovereignty of god yeah (laughs) but and uh and and if you stay we'll carry on for another 10 and then be gone okay so thanks guys feel free to to head out and uh the rest of us will stay yeah okay a few more questions see you guys yeah
4: It's quite obvious that the guys in the marketplace bring the value of being in marketplace to mm. the mm. team. Mm. But it's quite difficult in a mm. long environment to convince the,
0: uh, the other guys that are on your at fellow partners that coming to these sort of conferences mm. adds value
3: mm. to the team as well. So good. Is there any are there any sort of, mm. words of wisdom that are quite serious about yeah. the mm.
0: there? Mm. You're a lawyer. Yes. Mm. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. Seriously. I mean, that—that that is a thing that has not been covered, is is actually how does the marketplace guy interface yeah. in terms of a boss and, and trying to understand um, or explain that. So it's, it's a great question, and it's come up a lot, but I haven't covered it. So any of you guys, I mean, in terms of, I mean, you are your own boss, so that's easy, but you had a boss.
4: Yeah. Yeah. What, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. yeah.
3: yeah.
4: Yeah. How do I go back and Mm. make sure they also Mm. get
3: video of this week? Yeah.
1: that there were times when it felt like I was taking um, a route that was, um, uh, I guess, moving backwards in terms of my career, Mm. and yet he continued to bless me. So Mm. when I started working less hours because I was more involved at church, he gave me an opportunity to go in-house and work 40 hours. Why am I going to Thailand? They knew that I was a Christian, that I was an elder, and that I was doing all these things for God. Um, And it's strange that for non Christians, they were still somehow stirred by this idea that Mm. this person.
3: So good.
2: For 10 years did both, and um, probably eight years in was when I started having conversations where I felt like our model, which was everybody, our eldership team was, I think, five elders, all marketplace. And I felt like we got we we got to a point where that model was not going to be able to take this church to the next level. Because where we were, were all the money. <laughs> where were you?
0: Yeah, where were you?
3: We were are at
0: you song, right? oh. you you a No, they're still they're just going, yeah. Just wait for us. I've been doing neither
2: well. Mm. Um, I wasn't doing the business well. I wasn't doing the church well. Mm. Um, and so, so when, when when we got to that point, we started having that conversation with Alan about handing off to somebody else. We wanted a full-time staff guy to lead this church because I felt like we needed that. Mm. And and so the not necessarily related, but kind of related the advantage for me being on the team and having led before is when Vic says I feel like we need to take this place and I don't actually understand why he wants to do it and I don't necessarily see it I want—I I can look him in the eye and say do you really believe <coughs> this is the right thing when he says yes because I, I know that feeling before where you're mm. pushing through something that you really feel in your heart but not necessarily mm. logical mm. I'm able to say go for it man I mm. support you you know because I'm I've walked in those footsteps before, so mm. that's, I mean, now stepped off, I have empathy for the lead guy who is going to lead through a visionary component of, of what we're doing, or what he wants to do, where maybe we're all looking at him going, I don't quite get that, but if I see in his mind that he's sold on it, I can really support because I've been there on that side as well, so, um, yeah, so I think that there's limitations to a completely marketplace-driven model of
0: so, they have only one staff guy that's the leader, the rest of the elders are marketplace, and then they would have some non elder staff. So, that's the way they're building. Yeah, last two questions, and then we'll, yeah.
2: Business as a pastor to so hire projects. Mm. Bad idea. So we got away from doing that. My mm. wife was was never quite in you know, the same way. She'd be like, I don't know why you're hiring that person. Oh, they have potential. Mm. And uh, so I would just say you can hire them, mm. but you just have to be. Mm. I think it requires totally different dialogue mm. than hiring somebody from outside. Yeah. Mm. You have to lift all the rocks mm. all the Christian and mm. all the things that they may think Christians do in their workplace. And mm. the youth Want them to do. You mm. just have to have a complete, full, and open dialogue mm. uh, if you're going to hire them. Mm. And um, and if you feel like you couldn't fire them, if mm. you hire them, then they don't hire
3: them. Mm. Great.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> how do i not become a st- statistic yeah <laughs> <laughs> Take a furlough after (laughs) the first three months. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So great. Thank you, guys. Hope it's been helpful. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you.